<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Okay. Merthel. Um Oh, you're a singer. Yeah, well, well, we both are. So if we start doing harmonies, you're in trouble because it's um Oh, yeah. It could be either be really good or really bad actually. <laughs> I know Nashville good. is good for that country, but man, Huntsville, a lot of people don't know it's good for that gospel. Wait, Huntsville? Don't know that. Oh, yeah. That's where you got Take 6 came out of Huntsville. Brian no, McKnight. I didn't know that. Dude, I didn't oh, yeah. know that from Wait, Huntsville. Brian McKnight and Take Six. Take well, you know, his brother, his brother, or two brothers? Uh, his Brian brother is one of the main dude. Yeah, his Virtue. brother is one of the main guys, yeah. Sharon Riley, oh my goodness. Um, I didn't uh, know Little that. Richard, uh, well, he's not really, <laughs> it's not really gospel, but, <laughs> he was, but he started, yeah. he started gospel. gospel. with a lower G. Yeah, right, you right. claim him. You claim him. <laughs> that is so cool. I did not know that. Yeah. L-O-V-E, yeah. Um, That's funny. Last time I heard my name sung, I'm, I'm an ordained minister, by the way. Oh, and yeah. um, and the last time, um, I, I was trying to get my members to not call me Pastor Mitchell because that's my last name. It's not uh-huh. really Onyx. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so I was like, just call me Merthel. And then they made up this song. Call me Merthel. <laughs> call me Merthel. And I was like, oh, okay. That was, that was the last time. When you fall <laughs> on hard times, <laughs> there you call go. me Merthel. <laughs> <laughs> Man, we already got a song in this podcast. There you go. So, um, so what we do, so Murthel, the way we we start this party every time is we we read what we call the brag sheet, gotcha. which is like all the amazing things that you're doing out there in the world. And today, so for those who um, for those who can't see Murthel right is, now, he which is, is everyone. Yeah, which is everyone. That's well, except me and you, John. We can see him. That's true. Um, yeah. He is uh, parked right beside Malibu's beautiful beaches in California, which is already causing just copious amounts of copious amounts of jealousy from John and I. Yes. Oh and also goodness. questioning if he made a good decision to even be on this podcast when he could have his toes in the sand, <laughs> literally feet behind him, which is both punny because I just said toes in the sand. Anyway, uh, I digress. So, so, um, so here we go. We're coming in hot. Merthel Onyx, man, that sounds like the coolest wrestler that in the history of time. Name. In the you can do a of lot time. of things with that name. <laughs> or you can a go bad a lot guy of places. on like Thor. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. Thor would be fighting Marthel Onyx. Oh, Onyx. 
<laughs> on X, yeah. With my superpowers. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think of what it would just be like, you know, you're the strongest, like you're strong as Onyx. Like people hate no, you. No, your superpower is just the name. That's, that's it. it. It's just yeah, name than anybody like, else. <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to show up. People are like, dude, he's on his way. We should roll. Um, okay, so the Onyx family is America's first African-American family of entertainers, authors, and entrepreneurs, which consists of parents, Berthel and Rita, and their four children, Shalom, Sinead, Sade. Oh, 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 this ain't no ordinary love. Sade, Come on, Come on now. now. <laughs> um, also known as Shasha and Shiloh. Man, you got the S's coming in hot. The kids are multi-hyphenate talents, which I've never been accused of, and truly impressive. They've built on an incredible following of 6 million subscribers, which is truly insane, and received more than 3 billion views on their content. They're not only talented, they're truly inspirational and always giving back to the community in the process. They embody role models. While the family's brand rooted in, is rooted in fun entertainment, they have an equal focus on education. This is so great a really timely topic as parents all over the world have been coping with teaching kids at home i mean the hardest of hard passes on that whole season <laughs> of our life they've captured greater audiences recently as they were involved uh invited to participate as guests on our white house an inaugural celebration for young americans hosted by kiki palmer and sat down with dr anthony fauci to discuss important topics about the pandemic and raise greater awareness facts that's amazing man how was that that was crazy i mean and the thing about it is, is that they called us. So it's, it, it's, it's a whole different ballgame when you're trying to call people and trying to get on shows. But when people are calling you, it's just like, whoa. <laughs> when yeah. Dr. Yeah, Fauci yeah, calls, yeah. we're like, what? Yes. Yeah, but it was cool. Um, Dr. Fauci, he's a really down-to-earth guy, a really cool guy. Um, and uh, the Biden, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk to them. They were very busy that day. <laughs> yeah, you, you think the president would have some things to do? Yeah, he had some things to do, but um, but it was really cool just being a part of the whole program, and it was it was nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so the first the you know the first question that that I have is how did you how did y'all get into this? Like, what was the sort of the way that you got into? I know you have a podcast. Seems like you guys have like every way to to do something and be out in the world that you can. But how did you get into doing the videos? And how did the family become a part of that? Like, what was sort of the beginning of all and that? Did it did it start with the videos? Did it start with YouTube? It did. It, it did. The whole yeah. the whole thing started with YouTube. Um, I was an ordained minister for seventeen years. And my wife was a nurse practitioner. And oh, wow. we were in Toronto, Canada. That's where I'm from. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And my wife is from L.A. So uh, how we and ended Malibu up making... is kind of the Toronto of Southern California. So it makes sense <laughs> that you go there. Of L.A. County. <laughs> but the opposite, like the heat and the cold. But yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes. we're the right. Arctic. Yes. We're the Arctic exactly of the Alabama's yeah. sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> or California sunshine, I should say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, um, I actually met her in, um, in, um, HCBU uh, or HS or something like that. Historically black college university. Okay. H B C U. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we met at, yeah. We met at that. And, um, and I came from Toronto, she came from California and then we met down in the South. And so that's how we got to meet each other. So when I finished my studies, I moved back to Toronto and um, had my church there. And I also had a marriage and family therapist um, practice. And my wife was there with me for approximately 17 years. And then um, she had finished her degrees and then she started her nurse practitioner. And the doctors that she was working with, they asked her to start um, a practice out in Florida uh, to make some, make some good money. Those Toronto guys are like, oh man, we're not making enough money over here. So they're like, um, they, they really liked her, her work ethic and, and just the way that she was. So. We moved to Florida and I left um, ministry for a while, transitioned and went over to Florida. When she got there, it, it became really difficult because the Canadian doctors couldn't easily um, be a part of the executive branch because it was America and it was all complicated. So there was some basically, speak, you know, in a nutshell, there was some complications that they didn't foresee. Um, my wife ended up closing up that chapter and she started to um, research how she can make money. Um, she didn't fully close it off yet, but she knew that she, she wasn't liking all these complications. So she started looking for ways in which she could have her out. And she started researching YouTube. She saw the money that people were making. Families seemed like they were having a lot of fun. We tried it out in March with a lot of prayer. 
And, um, and that month, that month, I don't know if it was supernatural miracle, but we blew up in one month and made a ton of money and she quit. And here we are. (laughs) That is nuts. So what, what, what do you think it was that resonated so quickly? Gosh, wow. Um, I, I don't know. Cause a lot of people were doing the same thing that we were doing. So, right. um, I, I, I like to believe that that was just what we were made to do. We were designed mm. to entertain. And so our mission is to tell the story, feed the soul, make them laugh, heal the heart. And I guess our, you know, the mission was given to us to do that. And, and so we are just blessed. So when you're, when you're making that first video, actually, let's back up a little bit. So she comes uh, to you and she's like, okay, here, here's our out. Here's what we're going to do. And you're like, <laughs> right. all right. And you're thinking, surely not like, oh, YouTube sensations. Yeah, right. And she's like, let's make a YouTube. Let's get the kids and we'll make a YouTube video. Yeah, we which weren't is, thinking which was that what? at all. Um, like we what were was thinking- that first video? So um, the first videos was uh, we used superheroes. We became superheroes. So my wife said, hey, and here's the thing. The thing about YouTube is, is that on the internet, period, everything is based on algorithms. Everything is based on trends. So what ended up happening is, is when she researched, she was like, okay, how can we be successful at this? At the time, superheroes were the successful thing. And so we went out, we bought a whole bunch of costumes. Kids jumped in costumes. I jumped in costumes. And I became like a teacher in a classroom. I became a teacher in a classroom um, with um, the, I was Incredible Hulk or something like that. And then there, and then they were Batman and they were Spider Girl and all sorts of stuff. And I'd be like teaching them while um, villain would be like doing spitballs at them. It was just silly, silly stuff. Right. And right. Um, and that was our first thing. We just started doing that. It was the trend at the time. Uh, keyword optimizations, making sure that we had all those things. Those were the days where YouTube was far less complicated. And when we jumped in, we were able to just have success right away. And it was incredible. So what you did, you looked at where the trends were. Like, for instance, there was a trend where if you had a little toy, the kids wanted to watch a toy being run over by a car. So we'd take a a toy, put it under the, the tire. Like that was just one of the trends. And we just uh-huh. run over it. Millions and millions of kids would just be like, ah, oh my goodness, a toy is being <laughs> run over by a car. <laughs> I mean, I would watch be... that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then part two, of course, another toy. Sure. <laughs> you know? And so it was, it was those days, and that didn't last for long. I think we did that for probably like three or four months. And then afterwards, we transitioned. That's when we transitioned to Onyx Family. We wanted to do something that was a little bit more... See, we had to catch their attention first, and so we 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 got millions and millions of subscribers that way with those trends. And then when we transferred to Onyx Family and Onyx Kids, we were able to do content that was more our speed, put messages to it, um, you know, things like that. That is right. one of the things that's so crazy to me. And anybody that's listening that don't that that is you know living in a non social media or, you know, sort of internet based, uh, career. It is crazy how much, now this is where I date myself. Cause I'm, I'm 42, about to be 43 next week. And you know, when John and I start John Jung and me, but when we started our careers as musicians and this is man, I mean, I feel like every word I say, I'm just getting older. Like I'm adding a year yeah. of age every time. But, but truthfully, when we started, you know, you had to worry about a couple of things. You had to make a great record. You had to make a great album. Yeah. You had to have a good live show. And then right as it started, YouTube and social media kind of became this thing, especially YouTube. And so, you know, I posted a couple of these funny videos and all of a sudden it was just all of this traction. And to the point, I remember laughing really early on, there was a girl that came to one of our shows and she was like, funny story. Because I didn't put a lot of weight on it. I just did them, and then they just lived up there. But they would, you know, they'd, they'd get more and more numbers and stuff. But this girl came to my show, and she's like, you know, it's funny. I found out about you because I actually knew your funny videos first. And a girl that was oh. in the next dorm room was watching it and said, oh, man, I love his music. And I said, what music? And she was like, well, you know, that's what he does. And so, but, but that was <laughs> early days. And so what's crazy about it now, and you just spoke to this so succinctly, is – that was just you put it up and then people saw it or they didn't see it. Right. But it's really and, and you know, uh, Instagram is like this. You know, 
everything is an algorithm. And so it's so frustrating is you can have something and put it up. That's a promotional piece, yep. but it's, but, but especially Instagram will see that and be like, no, we're going to, we're, we're going to squash that because we don't want to promote. We see that you used a word and we're not about promotional material. You topic. can leave it up or a topic. Mm -hmm. And so it gets so frustrating as an artist or, or someone who's trying to, excuse me, promote your material because you're like, well, I'm just trying to let people know I got a show in Huntsville, Alabama. And Instagram is like, no, post something without trying to promote and we'll promote it. But the minute you try to do it. So it's interesting to hear you speak to that because because the the hack, the way you can hack that is exactly what you guys did, where you see the trend and you go, OK, we're going to be smarter than that. And we're actually going to lean to the trend. And then you start promote, you know, doing your material after. I think the thing that's so frustrating if you've been around a while is and you did that stuff first is then you're like, well, then I'm going to do the trend. They're like, no, we know you. No, 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 no. We, we know, know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, it's just right. so much more so complicated. So we, we came in like Trojan. We came in like a Trojan horse. Yes. We knew who we were. Right. You snuck it in. We knew who we were. And in. we knew they, they weren't going to like it. So we said, okay, okay. You know, I'll tell their story. I'll yes. show them their God. I'll, yes. I'll do whatever they have to do. Yeah. We'll hide inside. We'll sneak inside. Yes. Once we get yes. in, Hello. Yes. We're here. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there got to be so many people listening right now or people who are aware of you and aware of your story that have tr been trying for so long. I mean, that's yeah. like a, your, your story. I can imagine like somebody who's asking like advice, not to say that you don't have good advice to give, but I mean, you have one of those stories that's frustrating where it's like, well, we, we put some videos up and, uh, you know, it just kind of blew up and people are like, yeah, what? What? Yeah. I've been trying yeah. to do that for years, you know. Right, right. Now there was some strategy behind it. There was some there was intentionality. I to be honest with you, I came in hot like I need to preach Jesus Christ to the world. My wife was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> you will never Trojan see the horse. <laughs> you can't Just... ride on the Trojan horse in <laughs> no. the, the car after the car gets crushed by the tire like John 3:16 pops up really quickly. <laughs> right, right, right. So th crush that, your that's... sin. Right, right. So that that was my world. So it was like, um, oh, it was, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. was my the world. Jesus so shirt. I was, yeah. I was trying to promote it all the way, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, but it um, no, but for real, we just basically we understood that it was a necessity to create safe spaces, um, for children, mm -hmm. so that they don't have to get into adult conversations and adult topics and adult issues early. Yeah. So, so I, I got the wisdom. I got the wisdom from my wife. I, I was, a, I was a, a good husband. I listened to her and, um, and That's a I theme got it. on Dadville, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I got it. And I was, I, I realized that I had to protect the children just like I would protect my children. Yeah. I don't want my children turning on, you know, cable television and being exposed to all sorts of things. And so I figured that, you know, parents shouldn't have to turn on my channel and be exposed to things that maybe yeah. they didn't raise their children on. So yeah. we really did yeah. keep it a safe space where it was very neutral. And the issues are, our, our, our gospel is make them laugh. That's it. Mm. Make them mm. laugh, you know, yeah. make, make kids laugh with some silly stuff. And we got some silly, silly stuff. I mean, yeah. we're rapping about ketchup versus mustard. These are the issues of life in the children world that are very important. What do you put on your hot dog? Yeah. What's your favorite? Yeah. Ketchup yeah. or mustard? That can, and that, that blew can up divide to like, a crowd. That it's yeah. divisive. And it 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 um to the point where we had <laughs> we had about a hundred and something million kids weigh in as to which one. And you know oh that's my. these are that's these our world. issues of the day. So 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 Marthel, going back, like you obviously you're very passionate about family, you're passionate about your fatherhood and, and caring for your kids and your wife. Is that something that you, you learned from your dad? I mean, what was your relationship like there? Oh man. So my dad, he was also a, a minister. He didn't grow up as a minister. <clears throat> he kind of floated around and found the Lord for himself. And then, and, but when he did, and I, I came in, I was one of the family members. I was one of the last kids. So I came in when he was, you know, the family was together. Everything was really, you know, running smooth. He was a pastor and so I guess I got all of the anointed side of him. Um, mm -hmm. he, he was a great dad. He, he's no longer with us. He died in mm -hmm. 2010. Mm -hmm. But I remember as a teenager, I remember I went through my rebellious stage. I wanted to be a Christian thug. Um, <laughs> such, a common, <laughs> such a common thing to be. 
you right. know, you know, so many you grew up in the, in the church and you're just yeah. like, this is boring. I need to make a, you know, everybody is making it by stealing something or doing something <laughs> horrible. So I, I decided that I would, uh, on the weekends I would, um, direct the choir, but, uh, during the week and on, uh, some, some weekends I would, uh, smoke weed and go partying mm. and mm. sometimes sell it, you know, <laughs> you know, let's, and, the and the good old go Christian back. thug lifestyle. There you go. The thug life in the manger. <laughs> yeah. And so I was it's entrepreneurial. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, nobody merged that before. Nobody had done that before. And I, I wanted to be the first. So, so I, uh, yes. so I did a few things the that way, was just not in my nature. I was born in Toronto and I was not born in the ghetto part of Toronto. I was born in the suburbs. So this was like, I had to learn through watching things like Nino Brown and like, you know, all the, all the shows that kind of like told you how it was supposed to be. And so I'd go out there with my friends and we just did some silly things. Anyhow, one day, one day, you know, when we got ourselves fully involved in this thing, I remember I was coming back from this club and I was driving my dad's car. And the, the way I got my dad's car, I was like about maybe 17 or 18. The way I got my dad's car is, is that I was not coming home. I would, I would stay out, I'd sleep out with my friends. And then afterwards, we would get into trouble. And they were really worried for me. They were worried that my lifestyle was going down the wrong path. And they felt like if they could just keep me at home, then there could be, you know, a little bit of protection, you know. And so my dad thought of this plan, you know, him and my mom conjured it up, that what they would do is every time that I'd come home to refuel, when I'd come home to get food because I wasn't eating, or I'd come home to, you know, get some change of clothes. When I got there, my room was completely clean. It was a wreck before. It was completely clean. You know, I'd see my like my my wrapping papers, my weed wrapping papers, like sitting on the counter. No lecture whatsoever. Wow. Um, and everything was just affirmation. Just like, son, you're gonna be a minister one day. You're gonna be a great man for the Lord. Son, you are powerful. I'm not going to school. I'm flopping out. They're speaking life into me through their faith. Wow. And um. Hmm. And then they decided to give me the car because they, we only had one car. And if they gave me the car, then I had to come back home because I had to bring the car for my mom to go to work and my dad to go to work. So Jeez. they used ingenuity to be Man. able to get me to come back home. So I came back home now every single night to clean house, to clean room, uh, lovely cooking. My mom would cook me my favorite meals and all this affirmation and all this prayer over my life. So... So I started liking it. I was like, but I'm not living it, but I like it. I like to hear that. I like to Jeez. eat this. I like, I love the love. The love is so strong. Right. So yeah. one day I went to this club and I'm coming back from the club. And we're talking about all these girls that we checked and everything. And it was so cool. And I'm driving fast and it was raining and we're out in like outskirts of the city. So it's pretty far. And all of a sudden the car goes out of control. Um, and to make a long story short, I crashed a car. It was a write-off, complete write-off. Fortunately, everybody was okay. So I get back home and I'm thinking I'm in trouble. Like I, I, the car is sitting in the country road. I hitched a ride with some band, some, some band that was driving down the country road. Fortunately, um, John Denver, <laughs> probably, probably John Denver, probably yeah. please when you see him, tell him, yeah. tell him thank you for 20 years, <laughs> 20 odd years ago. Um, so we were, so I got back home. My, I, my family is, has a Jamaican background. Hmm. So I don't want to, you know, do any stereotypes, but I mean, I mean, Jamaican people can get hot. And, um, <laughs> so I thought that my dad was going to be like, boy, come here, don't make me have to shoot you one box. And I feel like, I was, I was really thinking this <laughs> is going to be amazing it. Like, Jamaican was, actor. This was going to be it. I was going to get like, I was going to get like a real, you know, yeah, yeah, a real yeah. throwdown with my dad. Yeah, and when I walked through the door, my dad calmly, I told him like, "Dad, I I I crashed a car and it's a write off." My mom had to take the transit, the bus transit, to work that morning because I didn't show up. That was the first time I didn't show up, so they didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, mm -hmm. I told him that the car is a wreck. Now this is Sunday morning. This is his high day where he's supposed to go out. He's doing visitations, doing all this stuff. Like so what now? Like he has his board mm. meetings. He has all these things that he has to do. And in that minute, in the moment of that time where he should have just blown off the handle, he said, son, is everybody okay? I said, yeah. Gosh. He's like, well, we're going to get another car. And the next time I want you to be more careful. You're probably Good tired. Night. Go get some sleep. I was like, what? I was like, you gotta be kidding me. 
I couldn't believe it. In that one yeah. moment, I felt the love of God like I've never felt before. Everything was just songs wow. and stories. And, you know, I grew up in this thing. Right. So it was just like Jeez that. Louise. But I literally saw Christ in my dad. I was like, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Oh, my goodness. While I crashed a car. Like, I'm just I'm making all sorts of connections. And that was it. It was that moment that I was able to take theory. And it was the living gospel right before me. It, it mattered. It was meaningful. And I learned that parenting you need those moments and you need to be mm. ready for those moments. You need those prodigal son moments. You need those poignant moments where you can take theory and match it with experience so that your children can understand what love, what unconditional love really looks like. And from that yeah. moment, I, so I tell my parents, I was like, Hey, I want to be a pastor. That's it. That's what I want to do. Wow. I want to free people just <laughs> like you freed me. Like, wow. and they were like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I, I, and I want to go to Oakwood University. They're like, well, you're, here's your acceptance letter. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're like, we had already applied for you. You're accepted on academic probation because, of course, you haven't been doing well in your schoolwork. <laughs> you haven't been <laughs> but going you're in. to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. you're in. I was like, what kind of faith is this? You're seeding into me. You're going forward and you're, you're, you're yeah. sending off my application. You're getting me approved so that right in a moment when it was time for God to do his best, I'm, I'm available. I, I've never turned back, guys. I literally have never turned back from that moment. I've been going forward, trying to free people, trying to um, preach love and unconditional love of God and just letting them know, man, when you're loved, there is somebody out there, there is a parent, there's a father out there that is doing everything possible to love on you, to change you. And he doesn't do that by condemnation. And he doesn't do that um, by telling you how bad you are. He does that by seeding into you and speaking to your spirit and yeah. gifting you with what you need to be successful, what you need to be to be your best self. And, and, and I have not stopped ever since. You know, you know what is so powerful the whole thing is powerful the part that really pinged me the hardest though because it's so counterintuitive to the way that i think about parenting and being a dad and i love that you said this is that you need these moments as a parent to show your kids forgiveness and kindness and grace so that they can see there is uh there is something bigger out there that God is the same. And I think I think about life like how can we keep this thing on the rails? <laughs> how can we have no problems so that I don't have to struggle with anything? And then miraculously my kids will just believe the same thing I do. And to hear you say that is so convicting because it is mm -hmm. such a beautiful thought to think these moments of friction are the very moments our kids get to see us practice what we preach. Yes. You know. They that's, want authenticity. They want yeah. to know that you really love them. And the only way that you know that you love a person, truly love a person, is not when they think they deserve it. It's mm -hmm. when they think they right. don't deserve right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Golly, Moses, well, man. <laughs> we're, always, we're always snapping back to uh, that kind of uh, thought process. We, we have to earn it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm yep. 38 years old. I constantly snap back to that. I mean, what you're saying right now, I, like, I believe it. On, on a conceptual <laughs> level, and I've had times where I've experienced it for sure, but you have to continually experience that hmm. to you gotta you know, be a bad kind boy of snap you back to like <laughs> yeah exactly. I always feel like I have to like earn that. It's like the kid coming home after he wrecks the car. As a yep. parent, you think like as a dad, I would only be worried about my kid. I would only I w I'm not I don't care about the car, of course not. But when you're in when you're the kid, you see it differently. What a powerful experience Absolutely. that you had. But unfortunately, if parents are, are, are more materialistic than anything else, mm -hmm. um, or if they are brought up under sort of like an ideology or a religious type of mentality where it is, you've got to be good all the time, or yeah. materialistic, whatever, these things get in the way of the message of love. Mm, right. You know, um, right. we were thought of um, from eternity and will be thought of throughout eternity, regardless of what, you know, happens to us if ultimately at the end of the day, that's the love that, that, that we were brought into this world with. Mm. We're loved yeah. eternally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me, let me ask you this question, you know, knowing, knowing the kids, um, and, and you having kids and a few kids at that, how do you, like that story with your parents is interesting because there's, it's so grace soaked, you know, there's so much kindness and, and like we said, 
Um, when you're something we talked about um, the other day on on, on the podcast uh, with old Double M with old Matthew McConaughey is this idea that like you really have to treat each kid with a different sort of according to their story and what you know when you think about either discipline or you think about love or you think about what gets their attention either way you know because er- all of us are so different and I think one of the things that was so fun to hear him speak to and we've heard other guests speak to too is this idea that like you can't just sort of throw the this is how the Barnes or the McLaughlin's or, you know, the Mitchell's parent, like, and it works on all of y'all. So deal with it. But, you know, I think as, as parenting, and you would know this from your counseling, I'm sure, but as that ideology has sort of changed over the last 50 years, there's this idea that like, no, each of these kids is very different and they're going to respond very differently to your love. They're going to respond to your grace and they're Mm -hmm. going to respond to your discipline differently. But when you think about y'all's kids, you know, your, your, your four kids, um, how how do y'all like how do y'all knowing that your parents knowing you went the play here is grace it's not condemnation and, and that, it's not and that probably wouldn't have worked on a different kid yeah you know? it may yeah no. it may have been lost no. another kid how do y'all think about that with your kids like is that a, is that something that y'all sort of think about or how do y'all oh, manage for sure. that yeah absolutely because um Chip Chip Ingram um there's a, he's <laughs> he's just a brilliant guy and um and I I went through his course when I was when I was younger in my younger years of parenting and then you know i utilized a lot of his wisdom in my counseling and in my parenting and so uh there's a study that talks about um balancing love uh grace and justice it's a well balance and the families that are all love but no boundaries they do horrific all grace no boundaries is horrific but i grew up in a christian home and I knew the boundaries. And so when, at the time that I had um, started my rebellion, if you notice, I was like 17, 18. I had already been at the end of my, uh, of my road of like, sort of like getting into adulthood. Um, but I, we had worship every single weekend. We were raised in the church. Like I had not rebelled up until that point. So my parents knew me. They knew my character and they knew who I was. And so they were able to assess, possibly mm. at that moment, they were able to assess this is the kind yes. of kid that could use yeah. grace. Um, but possibly yeah. another child, um, you know, like for instance, when I look at my children, I have to always seek a balance of both grace and boundaries. Families absolutely need strong boundaries, clear boundaries. And when there's clear boundaries that are set, then grace makes more sense. Yeah, and, and I think to your point, you make a great point. If, if that had been a kid who's 11, you know, obviously probably not making quite as exaggerated decisions that you were making as a 17-year-old, but, you know, whatever the version of that scaled down to that age is, that play for your parents might not have worked as well because maybe the established right. – that, that's a great point that you knew at 17, this is how this family rolls. These are the expectations for me. Here's how I'm – so when they offer right. grace, you know only because the gap between the two is so wide. Where you look at a 10-year-old who's maybe making bad decisions and a ton of grace may not be as helpful – so, so there's a, so, so to your point, when you guys were talking about like the nine, uh, the, the, the 11 year old or the nine year old. So when I was nine, um, it, it's interesting. Um, it, I think I was nine. I was either nine or eight, maybe. Um, I was living in Chicago. My dad was, um, he was doing school in Chicago. I was living in Chicago and I decided that I was going to set a bush on fire. Um, and this bush was beside a whole bunch of, wow, sure. That's very biblical. Yeah. It was like, I I saw a bush and I said, this bush needs to be burning. (laughs) Um, and, um, (laughs) and they were like, they were like, no, how how are you going to know if this is a holy bush? Unless I burn it, you know, I had to burn this thing and take off my shoes. Give it a chance. (laughs) So, so, so anyhow, I can already hear you telling your parents that exact story. (laughs) Dad, you can't be mad. I had my shoes off. God was there. Exactly. So, 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 um, my dad found out and, um, and he basically said, son, you know, I'm not accustomed because in, in his upbringing, his father really laid it on him it, to the point where I think it was abuse. I, I don't I don't really think it was the, mm. the, I, the it wasn't a balanced way of discipline. It, it was abuse. And my dad determined mm-hmm. that when he raised mm-hmm. us, he was going to look at all the alternative ways of making sure that he is speaking to us and that he is um, emotionally and intelligently 
um, creating type of disciplines that make sense and that we will resonate mm. with and yeah. that it will speak to us at, at the appropriate age that we're at. But when I decided I was going to burn the bush, oh, yeah, I, I was going to get something. And he was and he prepared me for it. He said, son, I'm going to have to spank you. And he said, and son, mm -hmm. it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. That that old saying. <laughs> and I was like in my head, right. I'm sure you're I'm sure you're so right. But, you know, honestly, guys, at the end of that, um, when he finished spanking me and let me tell you, I don't I don't think he I don't think he held back. Mm. The only person crying was him. He had tears rolling mm. down his face. Wow. I wasn't even crying. And it taught me mm. a lesson. Mm -hmm. It told me that this man did not want to spank me. This man did not want mm. to hurt me. But what he wanted to do is he wanted me to understand that if you live your life so carelessly that you hurt other people, that's not tolerable. Mm. You cannot live your mm. life so recklessly that you are going to hurt someone mm. else. You might not be able to take back your actions. So I'm going to have to give you a lesson on how it could mm. feel for some people, even a small taste of how it could feel, how pain could feel, how wow. emotional pain could feel, how the loss of a life could feel. I'm going to give you a small taste. And at the end of the day, I wasn't even crying. He was. And that mattered more to me to see the tears in his eyes, to see that I caused him yeah. pain, that he had to punish me in a way he didn't want to. Mm. That let me know wow. that that's what love is. Love if you yeah. if you mm -hmm. discipline your child and your child does not know that you love them, then you have not created the kind of relationship with your child where you should even think about doing that kind of discipline. But if you can communicate to your child that love that you have for them, your child will be able to sustain any discipline. Uh, sit in the corner, uh, time out, whatever you come up with, yeah. that child will get it. Right. And it will not be uh, something uh, that will yeah. hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wonderfully said. Um, yeah. It, it's really challenging to think about. I think that's, we, we talk about that a lot on, on here too, is how, you know, so much of the work we have as parents is paying attention. I know that sounds really, uh, you hear that and someone's like, well, well, welcome to being a great dad. There's smart guy, uh, Einstein. But, but I think it's a lot harder the more kids you have because suddenly there's four <laughs> stories. There's three stories in John's house. Right. There's two. That are beside you and your wife's that you're having to pay attention to. You know, you're really having to keep an eye on, like, wow, this one just doesn't care as much about these things, but she cares a lot about this. And this one's the opposite. And so when I sit with them and try to help them negotiate life, there are some things that one, it's going to totally get their attention and they're going to get the other completely fall in deaf ears, but it takes so much effort. It takes so much discipline on our part as dads to really go like, no, I know my kids and I know who yeah. they are. And so I know when I need to get this one's attention or help them or what they respond to and love the most, even, you know, like one is really affectionate. One's very, uh, needs to see time spent with them to understand that, you know, and it just takes a lot. Of, it's a yeah, lot of work. It's it a is. lot of time. It's a lot of attention, mm -hmm. but it's so rewarding once you see it uh, bear fruit, you know, when you see like, wow, she really understood that because I, I did the thing that gets her, that helps her understand, right. you know, as opposed to sort yeah. of like, it's just so easy to be like, this is how the barns roll folks. But, but it's just so rarely, it may work on one kid, right. you know, but then you see the, the other ones are just kind of like, yeah, that ain't. Yeah. That ain't so true. Yeah, you I, know? You're, you're speaking so, like a professional dad right now. There is, you know, we <laughs> well, can come on here and we can tell all the nice stories that we want. At the end of the day, this thing is tough, y'all. This thing is tough. Yes, dude. Yeah. It's, it's a full -time so hard. Job. It's a so full time job. A lot of people would look at your situation, the Onyx family, right? And and feel like, well, I don't have six, you know, billion views on anything, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like you you at a glance, you have a really unique situation because of the presence that you guys have on the internet. But I think that everybody in 2021 who's parenting kids, you know, my kids don't have a social media account yet, but it's probably coming. I mean, that's something that we all have to deal with with our mm -hmm. kids at some point. And the thing that scares me to death about it is just being exposed to kind of, you know, whenever you put something out there, you get exposed to the 
you know, the worst of people just leaving these flippant little comments, throwing little daggers. And, you know, Dave and I have, as musicians have put ourselves out there with our music careers and all that. And, and some, and it hurts sometimes, you know, like it's tough Mm -hmm. to get over. Uh, And so as a parent, how do you, how have you dealt with that being this, you know, ubiquitous kind of brand online and your kids obviously being a part of that in the face of it, how have you dealt with that as a dad and how do you help them deal Great with that? Question. Do you try to like shelter them from it at all? Great you question. Know, how, how's that work? Great question. Um, when we first started off, we started off as like, like I said, superheroes and we were very concerned about how they would be the interaction. So the first thing that we did was we said, do not, we're going to start this YouTube nobody is going to read comments at all, at all, you know? So we had the comments on because at a time when you had your comments on and there was any type of engagement, that's what would help your channel to also grow. So we had to look at the, the metric side of things. And then we also had to look at just the emotional, relational, spiritual side of things. And so we're just like, no, no, no comments. If you look at the comments, that's it. We're, we're not going to be doing this. Um, and then, and that, that's just stuck. And that's now five years. And now they're adults. They're in their 20s. You know, my oldest is 22 this year. My next one is 21. Mm. The other one is 18 and one is 14. Um, so they were at a stage in their life where I just did not want them to, um, to hear something really mean and internalize it. And then that shapes their, right. their future. So that's one of the things that we did. Totally. Another thing that we did was yeah. we were wearing costumes so that they didn't know who we were. So nobody knew who we were. So we could go to Walmart. We could go somewhere because no one knew who we were because we always covered up. In fact, we covered up our hands also because we were a little bit extra sensitive because we were African-American and Mm -hmm. we weren't sure if we were going to get some of those nasty, you know, um, individuals. There's always those individuals out there. And so we covered up as well. So we were kind of cautious. Then we just decided, you know what? We are who we are. We still didn't do the the um the taking off the comments, but we just unmasked and we just owned how we were made and how God made us. And we just said, whatever happens, mm. happens, because, I mean, if God accepts us, we're good. And 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 then that's where we did the Onyx family. And Onyx is a stone that comes in all different shades and colors. And so we always wanted our audience to never feel like this is for African-Americans. We wanted them to understand this is for everybody. It comes Onyx comes in every shade and colors. But. Traditionally speaking, people um, associate the onyx stone with black, uh, with the black onyx. Mm. And so um, we just owned it. And we just said, hey, whatever happens, man, bring it. Whatever happens, we're owning how we are made. And it's been quite a journey. Mm. We've been accepted. I'm sure that there's been some haters, but I don't know many of them because I don't read the comments. Mm. And when we go places, yeah. Yeah. you know, we we show that this world is, yeah, this world may be bad, but it's not as bad as some people make it out to be. You know, there's always um, mm. um, media agenda to try and inflate stories bigger than it really is to take us yeah. down paths yeah. that are not genuine. I mean, we've gone to the White House. And right. when we went to the White House a few years ago, we had a family that had their MAGA hats on. And they were just like, whoa, the Onyx family, you know, and they just embraced us. And they were just like, we watch it and our people at our church watch it. And it's just like, and it just like, I, I, I want to tell that story and tell these stories because it's just like, people want to just separate us. They just want to put us in these little boxes to say, you, you are this and you're that. And you guys are not allowed to get along. And, and it's just like, that's just not who we are. Right. That's not who we are. Yeah. That's yeah. not how our, yeah. you know. I mean, there are some people that are like that, but it's not more everybody. Complex than that. We're more complex. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just yeah. like I like to tell that story particularly because some people particularly want to attack people that are MAGA to say that these are the type of people that they are. And and it's just like <laughs> yeah, right, no, right. let's get to know each yeah. other's stories. Let's get to know each other. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I don't know how to wrap this up, but I'm just but we're not what yeah. we're always told that we are. 
I don't know about you guys, but I can't believe the kids are already back in school and summer's coming to an end. The changing of seasons and colors on the trees always gets me thinking. Am I prepared for the next season of life? That's why I use Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it so easy to compare life insurance quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. And I know what you're thinking, but why compare, Dave? It can't be that hard to pick life insurance for my family. What if I told you you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius, or that you could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies? When you use Policy Genius, eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award winning policy option that trades your standard medical exam requirement with a simple phone call. That's why Policy Genius was rated number one by Forbes Advisor. It's so easy to get started today. All you need to do is head to policygenius.com. In no time at all, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find the very best price for you. Once you've found your best coverage and lowest price, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and schedule all for free. They never tack on or hide any extra fees. So head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Well, and you know, the theme, the theme of that and what you said earlier is so um, consistent to me, which is one, we have to have a discipline around getting to know people to know who they are, right? Like judgment on skin color or occupation or nationality. It's, it's a fool's errand to think that we know someone because right. of those things, right? So that's beautiful. The other thing yeah. that's consistent to what you said is there's also this discipline that's really interesting to me around social media. And I think what happens, and, it, and, and I've had to learn this lesson, because yes, it can be really bad, but we can also just decide not to read comments. We can also just decide to have discipline about, around how we think about YouTube, about how we think about Instagram or Twitter. And what makes me laugh, because I do this, is I can just be like, you know, it's this is, it's either completely terrible or it's just amazing, but there's this, this place that we can live as hopefully developed human beings where we go, you know, I really like this part of Instagram. It's fun to see and catch up with my friends. So either I'm just not going to follow people that make me think certain things or cause me to have animosity or I'll turn comments or whatever. I think it's, it's so funny to me how much society right now just tends to be like, it's either the worst thing in the world. It's the best thing in the world. But then it, it, it makes, makes us it, yeah it is and it just mm-hmm. makes us seem so um caveman like that it's like well hold on folks like you can turn that button on or off in your in your yep. app like if you don't like the comments you own your right. account just turn them off and i think yeah. you know it's really powerful to hear you speak to that because i think there is this thing where i think as parents again it's so much of paying attention and negotiating these these decisions is knowing we have a lot more power than we think we do about these things. And I think knowing how to think about them is, is also about how we have the discipline around those things. Like yeah. how, what, what part of it's good, what part of it's bad. Maybe you don't want to do it at all. Maybe you want to do it a little bit, but there's ways to negotiate that aren't as as difficult that just cause some discipline. We just need to go, yeah, I'm going to turn the right. comments off and then we can and do we this can do not, this. you know. And at the end um, of the day, at the end yeah. of the day, it's such a powerful question that you uh, that you gave, John, because it's... um. We, we homeschool our kids our entire life, but yet they got affected by everything. Why? Because society came into the home and it came in your hand and it's right. constantly there. Yeah, yeah. They don't have to go to school to be bullied. They don't have to go to school yeah. in order to experience some terrible things that, that happen in our society. They're right in the palm of yeah. your hand. So we use apps yeah, that's called right. yeah, yeah. Um, that's right. Accountable to You. And there's various apps that, um, but that's one of them. That's a good one. I don't, you know, want to just like send all that stuff, that. but it, there's some apps out there that you can get. Now, what is that? And when it filters your children's um, ability to search, so they can't search for certain things, certain things will never be able to go on their phones or their tablets because you have wow. that on. And that's, that is a good way that you can parent your child to kind of like stave off some of the things you just don't want them to, you know, they're not looking up, yeah. you know, yeah. who was the vice president during, um, during, you know, um, Bush's era. And then they, they end up, seeing something they don't want to see. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Somehow it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're like, how in the world did it get here? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. So <clears throat> one more question. Cause I know you guys are ready to get your feet in the there sand you and you your booty in the yeah. water. Sorry. Um, Sorry. 
I'm going to, I'm working on that chorus. I think I may have something there actually. Um, but w- one of the last questions I want to ask, and I'd, I'd, I'd really love your wisdom on this. One of the things that I think is really hard, you know, John and I both being artists, um, and you have social media and you have these accounts and you know, you want people to, to follow what you're doing and, and to listen to your music and to, you know, further career, keep your career uh, living and breathing. One of the things that's always tricky is, and I'd love to hear, because you obviously have a lot of experience around this, is how we think about our kids. So like with ours, you know, John has put up videos of his daughter and uh, his two girls cooking with him. It's one of my favorite things they do. And this summer, uh, when everything was shut down last year, uh, last summer, I posted some stuff with my kids. and But it's always been tricky to me because one of my biggest fears that I think is really interesting about this season of life, and I know we have a lot of people who listen, who, you know, post pictures of their kids or have things that are interacting with their kids. One of my biggest fears in life is to have my kids sit down with me at 20 and go, hey, um, I didn't really say you could do that. And you sort of made a decision for me before I was really able to make a decision. And now I either have this animosity or it introduced me to this online stuff that either, either, you know, like you said, people that talk to me in a certain way or they recognize me and I'm not comfortable with that. And so it's really, it sort of caused me to uh, always really be careful about what I choose to post about them, you know, because it's like, they don't, you know, mine are really young too, which is one thing because they're nine, seven and four, but you know, how have you negotiated that? Because that's such a tricky space to me is, is, and I think a lot of people relate to, to all of our plights of kind of like you either want to post about them and I tell you, and you know, this as well as anybody, but in the entertainment industry, especially you realize, man, you start posting stuff about your kids, more people tend right. to like it. You know, they, they really, because who doesn't want to know someone that they appreciate or listen to their music and see the inner workings of, oh my gosh, look at, they have kids and they have yeah. three girls. You get two a reaction. Three, yeah. yeah, you get a reaction. How have you walked through that? I mean, is that something that resonates with you at all that you think about? Or? Another great question. Um, at the time that we were starting our channel, I think our oldest was about uh, 16, 16 or 17. And our youngest was, I believe... Um, he's now, uh, 14. So he was around nine. He's around nine. Okay. Uh, he was the one, um, that had been badgering us. He wanted to be like, um, not Ryan. It was another kid, uh, man. And I know him too. Good, great, great family. Um, um, Shasha, what's the name of that? What's the name of that? Um, that kid that Shiloh wanted to be like, Evan too. Thanks. <laughs> Good to have your kids right by you when you're doing this. Yeah. So he wanted to be like Evan too. He wanted it so badly. He's like, I love Evan too. I was like, who is this Evan too? Busy doing stuff. Um, and then, we, then I looked yeah. at it and, you know, we saw it and whatever. And we were, we just weren't on that tip at that time because that's when I was doing my thing and my wife was doing hers. But when we eventually came to the decision that this is something that we want to try out and we came to the kids and we asked them if they would like to do it they were so excited it was amazing they just they couldn't wait to get started and because of course he was going to be the next evan too and um and so (laughs) our youngest was like that our older ones were just like this is something new i like to do it you know we're homeschooled and we don't get out much like let's do let's do something different so our kids was (laughs) Sure, yeah, anything. let's do anything because we're not doing anything. So, so, um, so they were really excited, and um, and now, like I said, they applied to university. They got accepted into the university of choice, and then they turned around and they said mm. to us, mm. uh, "We don't want to go to university. We we have found our what we want to do. We found our purpose. We've we've you know we're able to sustain ourselves, and we're able to send a message to the world and." this is what we want to do, dad. And to, that's what they told us. And then, mm. and they basically told us we're not going to university. So, so, and wow. so now mm. all three of them, two of them, the two oldest ones, they're like 21 and 22 in a, about a month, they made that decision. And then the 18 year old ended up making the same decision as they had, had nothing to do with what we had to say, because I actually wanted them to go because I wanted them to, you know, find their husband, get married, do the same thing mom and dad did. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah, there was a little yeah, bit of disappointment yeah, yeah. when they said that, because I was like, how are they going to do that? They're like, dad, I can meet my husband online. I, you know, I can do this, you know, dad, you know, <laughs> so it's a really good impression. by so, the way. So it's like, so <laughs> that is basically how it was. And so they've really taken the lead on what they want to do. And we've respected that. We've given them guidance, mm. but ultimately we respect their decision. So, 
And as Shiloh, I guess mm. he's a different case. Like, he liked it then. I still think he likes it now. He's gaming through the day. You know, that's part of his homeschool to game. Yeah. Like, you know, and then when he mm. wants to do Japanese, he's like, Dad, I want to do Japanese because I want to, like, you know, I want to develop games now, Dad. Then we, he's doing Japanese. And then I'll barter with him. I'll like, well, if you yeah. do Japanese, then you're going to have to take up some cello because I want you to be well-rounded. So now he has to do cello, you know. And he's like, okay, I'll do it for a year. I was like, okay, drive for a year and see if you like it. So it's like that kind of bartering that's going on. But they love it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, it's just like, I think, and you know, I think this is tr true for so many things that are happening right now because, because the world is moving at such a fast speed. Is it so hard to know, I think, what this stuff is going to do that we can't tell or what how they may feel in a decade? I think that's always right. my fear is like, sure, they may love it now, but gosh, what if they look at you at 10 years later when they're actually developed yeah. enough to sort of go like, yeah, maybe there were some parts of this, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. I think for me, it's just that thing where I'm like, it's just all so new. It's all so new. Right. There's That's nobody the, that you can sit feel down about with. the internet the way people like adults in like the twenties felt about the radio. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. well, hang on, not in the house. <laughs> yeah. Let's put yeah. some limits on this radio thing. <laughs> um, this box is evil. Yeah. Voices yeah, yeah. are coming out of this are they box. In the box. <laughs> yeah. Carl, how'd I get them that smile to sing? Cause they got to stick them in there. Um, but, but anything that does involve your kids are, you know, I'm yeah, terrified yeah. of. Yeah, yeah anything. it's yeah, it's just I have a healthy amount a, of fear yeah. about anything. But it sounds so. like you guys have a conversation that is always right. ongoing, which yeah. I think is the best thing. You yeah. know, is that you guys aren't sort of going, "This is the decision we made," but you're, you know, you're with them, kind of watching mm -hmm. them, listening, and going, you know, if we see the winds shift too quickly, right. too much, you know, there's probably. I wouldn't say we're helicopter parents, but yeah. we definitely are the kind of parents that are, you know, helping to guide our children. Um, growing up, mm. I remember jumping on a subway bus at the age of like eight and I'm driving the bus with Dang. my sister who's like two years older than me. I thought she was in her twenties because, you know, you know, we're going on the bus together, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. she's 11 yeah, and I'm yeah. nine and we're traveling yeah. alone in a million, like a million odd, whatever city population. And I'm just thinking Mm -hmm. My kids are almost in their twenties and they haven't even just gone on a bus by themselves. Like they, they drive the car, they, you know, they yeah. have their license, they'll drive. But there are certain things that yeah. like, I went riding my bike and I would just drive, I'd ride all over the place with my kid, with, with my friends. We'd be like riding bicycle club and we'd be going all over the place. Places that like are miles away from my home. I'd be digging like snow castles underneath the ground. Now I'm hearing that, you know, these things collapse after you dig in the snow, they collapse yes. and they, yeah. But my parents didn't know any yeah. of these stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, I'm just right. thinking to myself, yeah. okay, yeah. there is a new level of danger that is out there. And my kids are just going to have yeah. to face it. And I'm just going to have to rely on the yeah, same that's, source that's a good word. of comfort and security that my word. parents relied on for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a great word. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so we end every interview with the same two questions. All right. I'll ask one, then Dave will ask the next. So the... First question is, what is the one thing you want your kids to know? The one thing I want my kids to know. Do they know it already? Like, do, do, is it something that they don't know? Or is it something, could it be something that they already know? We, the rules are we cannot help you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, okay. Um, okay. The one thing that I want my kids to know is the the thing that I believe that they already know. They are eternally loved. Mm. No matter where mm. they go, what they do, how they navigate this life, what decisions they make, what problems they find themselves, that they get themselves wrapped in. Um, no matter what, I want them to know, and I believe that they know this, that they are eternally loved. That 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 will never mm -hmm. go anywhere. And that's that's the one thing. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Okay, um, here's the big ender. Uh, buckle up. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> am I going to die, guys? <laughs> guys, are you, am I going to die? Is that what? <laughs> at some point. I hate to be the bear of bad time. I don't know if somebody told you or not. But oh, man. Probably. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just trying show. to cope it's with likely. the question because I didn't know I was going to die. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um. You're just gonna Elijah up right. into heaven. Um, let's see. Um, what would I want them to say? Um, that my dad loved me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. I love that. 
That's it. That's beautiful, man. That's the most important thing. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time. I feel like I le- I was learned I was learned. So if there's not <laughs> I was a learned sentence, too. if there's a sentence I could say worse and it'd be more immediately apropos it's, to what it's I was the way you to say. said it contradicts <laughs> what it says. It was, <laughs> have I have I done something? I feel I like I feel like that. I thank have you, I feel like I've brought you back, actually. <laughs> Like a, you did. You I, did. I Thank you so much. Steps. Thank you so much. <laughs> like you were just like your parents. You were so grace, uh, graceful to me. You were yeah. kind. You never yeah. made me feel stupid. You were just kind. Welcome me back home uh, with the car, even though I wrecked it, uh, which I did wreck that too. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. This thank you great, so man. so much. All we the really best. appreciate. Thank you, it. Thank yeah, you yeah. John. Thank you, Dave. It was fun. <laughs>